My mind's telling me no. But my body, my body's telling me yes. Baby, I don't want to hurt nobody. But there is something that I must confess. Welcome to Critical Drinking. I'm Kevin Regan. And I am Franklin Allegri. We are joined by Franklin Allegri because Ryan, as we've said in past episodes, is going to be out of town for about three weeks. He is traversing this great land in celebration in of cel- its independence. <laughs> That's right. Of its independence. That's right. He's going to be in all places to celebrate his independence. He's going to be in Cleveland. <laughs> Good for the, you, The Ryan. cradle of America. Good. Cleveland, Ohio. Good no for question. you. The banana hammock of America. <laughs> Congratulations. But we are here. Um, we are going to be watching, if you haven't already seen on our Facebook, uh, we are going to be watching Batman and Robin, Joel Schumacher's epic. Starring Alicia Silverstone. God. I don't know who this Arnold, George, none of this means anything to me. This is starring yes. Alicia Silverstone. That's right. And thank God. Because, you know, we need someone to grab onto in this movie. I'm sure as hell, there are no other stars in this <laughs> There's movie. There's no one else you want to grab no. hold of in this thing. Um, and then we're, we're going to go over our top five franchise killers. Franchise killers. And we've got a pretty uh, pretty loose interpretation of the term. Thought it would be a little bit more yeah. fun to do it that way. Oh, yeah. It's it's whatever you think a franchise killer is. Absolutely. It's not this- I mean, it could be the what killed the, the series of movies, what caused a reboot, what just killed the credibility. Yeah. Of the name of the or property. what made you hate it. Or what made what you hate it. What killed it for you. Absolutely. So it's it's totally subjective in that, and then it's also, you know, it's really open to interpretation, but franchise killers, I think all of those definitions all are very much franchise killers. It could be everything from, from the worst movie in the series to, for me, the Twilight Saga <laughs> teaser trailer. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was just killed a franchise, the franchise killer for, for me. Right. Um, so we'll be doing that in a bit. Um... But, we're, you know, first things first, uh, we have to get to our poll. Uh, the poll this week is, should we do an audio commentary next week, uh, or in, in one of the coming weeks, instead of a regular episode? So, should we, you know, basically start a movie, have you guys kind of started along with us when you're listening to the episode, and just do mystery science, you know, theater I mean, absolutely. on it? And I, I love the fact that... And well, I love the option, but I hate the fact no one's voted yes, but I won't listen to it. Yeah, yeah, zero percent of the vote have gone to yes, you should do it, but I won't listen. Whatever makes you happy, <laughs> go ahead and do it. I won't be part of it, but if it tickles your right. fancy, go right ahead. Well, I mean, I can't imagine we have ninety-one fans on Facebook. I can't imagine every single one listens to the epi- to to any of the episodes. That's true. Someone so could vote they, on the podcast being yes, but yeah, I won't listen. to They it. could very much enjoy the idea of hey, you should definitely go for it. <laughs> but you know, I haven't listened to any other episodes, so I'm not going to listen. I'm, I'm not going to start now. I'm not a total loser. I have better <laughs> things to do with my time. Hey, watch it. Watch it. <laughs> hey, I don't. This I'll is, go right out there. This is our livelihood. <laughs> <laughs> we this is this is our careers. We get paid the big bucks on this. Oh man. Um, okay, so the poll 
as Franklin said, there are three options. The middle option being yes, uh, but I won't listen to it. it has zero percent. Thank you, everyone, for at least if, <laughs> if, you, if you if you're not going to listen, thanks for just saying no. Um, no is the second place vote with only nine percent of the vote. Astonishingly to Ooh. me, astonishingly, ninety one percent of you say yes. You should do a commentary, and I will listen to it. But to be fair, wouldn't it be somewhat uh, oxymoronic to be a fan of your podcast but not want to hear your opinions on a movie? It depends. You can get the 20-minute version or you can get the two-hour and five-minute version. I mean, really. <laughs> which, by the way, is the running time of Batman and Robin. Which, we just found yeah, out. Yeah, which, I mean, but but in my opinion, there are, there are clear differences between listening to our regular podcast and listening to a commentary. For the That's commentary, it. to really enjoy it, unless you really know the movie and you're just willing to kind of follow along with our, you know, what we're talking about, you have to sit down and watch the movie along with it. No, and yeah, that's that's kind of a you know you got to take two solid hours out of the day to do that, and that's you know that's more than the actual more than our usual podcasts are. Although we do gonna, <laughs> sometimes go they long. push it, kind of go long. But like a regular podcast, you can just sit there and you can be on your computer, you can you know do whatever, you can do other things while listening to the podcast. That's and so true. that's that's kind of why we have our poll out there to see what the uh, you know reaction is to that, but. Clearly, it's it's positive so far. It's a runaway. I'm I'm all in favor of because I really want to do a commentary, <laughs> and I know Ryan does too. So hey, if this keeps up, we're all about it. Um, but now uh, we are going to give our predictions for what we're going to drink during this sweeping this, Schumacher epic. Oh, this is how long is it again? One hundred and twenty-five minutes. So that is two hours five minutes. two hours five minutes. And if I remember this correctly, I think the opening credits alone. Are just uh, seven <laughs> at, least, <laughs> at least and seven? Oscar worthy. Oh wow! So wow. I the fact that this thing, as I'm reading the back of the DVD, has no no awards to its name, <laughs> really shocked me. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and the, that is surprising. And the only and the only uh, the only positive review on the back includes the words lavish and mischief. Is it and from the guy from Maxim? And this is a Batman movie yeah, <laughs> involving God, lavish mischief. The guy from Maxim, whoever does the Maxim reviews <laughs> is hired just to get his name on the back of DVDs and in papers and on oh. trailers and stuff. My goodness. Um, we should also note that we are actually doing somewhat of a special viewing this week. We're not just going to watch the movie. Yes. But because we have both seen this movie so many times and we both Sadly. agree, it's pretty bad. Uh, we are going to watch it with Joel Schumacher's commentary. Absolutely. I honestly just want to I want to get him, inside this guy's head. I want to hear him justify yeah. this steaming pile <laughs> the of nipple suits. <laughs> the, nipple the nipple suits. suits. See what Does happens. he acknowledge rubber nipples? I would, I would not be surprised if there is 30 minutes of silence on the commentary <laughs> where Schumacher just takes a smoke break and says, fuck this, man. I give up. Oh but, alas... We're gonna listen to that because I. So this is this is this is a. Uh, this, this is a critical drinking first. This is a first. This is sort of a flagship here. We're doing yeah. first time doing director commentary, and who better than Joel Schumacher? And That's what right. better film than Batman and Robin? That's right. And Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy and well, Alicia Silverstone. That's right. Don't forget that name because that's the only actress <laughs> to grab onto in this movie. Um, all right. So including the beer in your hand. How many are you going to drink in these two hours and five minutes? You know what? I'll say four more. Four more? Four so five more. five total. Five total throughout That sounds this. good. I'm going to, uh, 
I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to go with six. I'm going to go with five more just because we are drinking the 12 ounces, and I'm feeling a bit thirsty. And I think this movie, whenever I laugh out loud, I'm going to take a drink. And I have a feeling Joel Schumacher is going to make me laugh out loud, intended or not, many times during this commentary. During I'd this movie. be shocked if there were any actual intended comedic moments. In this <laughs> are you kidding me? There's puns everywhere. Every... Intended comedy, though. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. All right. It was the the puns are really just for for sheer sheer fright is what you're supposed to be. Uh, you they know. thought they were being poetic when they wrote this thing. Yeah, exactly. And so all the puns that you're making, it's like or that they're making, it's supposed to uh, kind of really make you feel frightened. Of <laughs> oh my god, this is really an epic villain. <laughs> this villain is so smart; it can make puns that are hilarious about freezes. This is Hannibal freaking Lecter here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so we're gonna go watch this movie with the commentary on. Uh, we are. I am. I'm really gonna enjoy this. So uh, we'll see you when we get back. Now, usually I don't do this, but uh, go ahead on break them off with a little previews of the remix. Now I'm not trying to be rude, but hey, pretty girl, I'm feeling you. The way you do the things you do reminds me of my Lexus cool. That's why I'm all up in your grill, trying to get you to a hotel. You must be a football coach. The way you got me playing the field, so baby, give me that and let me get that. Running her hands through my fro, bouncing on twenty foes. Why they say I'm ready? Welcome back to Critical Drinking. We just watched Batman and Robin. Let me tell you what. I was told by a high school teacher one time that there are movies and there are films. This is a film. This is a work this of art. This sends them both. It is neither. <laughs> this is, there's movies, there's films, and, and then there are shit piles. Steaming piles of dung. And, and, and this, this is one of the latter. This, this is absolutely the third. That's no right. question. So, uh, we watched it with the Schumacher commentary on, which actually was, it was awesome. It was, it was a great decision. Absolutely the best decision we made of the night. That added so much to this viewing. Oh, it did. And so It's incredible. So we we know that many of you, if not all of you, have seen Batman and Robin. So what we did, we watched it with the commentary. We're not sure how many of you watched it with the commentary, but Hopefully none. Hopefully none. <laughs> hopefully none. But if you did, you can follow along with this. If you didn't, you can be enlightened by this. Franklin took a Time-sensitive, blow-by-blow recap of the commentary. Let's go through it right now. Absolutely. I will post this notes in full on the Facebook page. Let me go through some of the highlights of this commentary. Lowlights. Lowlights of my life. It's really what it is. Right. Um, Start off the bat, Joel Schumacher sounds even less enthused about doing this film as we did about yes, watching it he really he was, starts it out just i hate my life you know you guys must really love dvd commentaries uh or else i wouldn't be doing this yeah it, it, he, uh, he, that's he, basically how it sounded he starts out as well obviously you uh <laughs> enjoy like, this film yeah. and you enjoy dvd commentaries so that's why you're that's watching why you're it. listening and meaning he, he realized this was shit and no one should care what he thinks absolutely so let's let's give you some highlights first of all the only time he really credits the screenwriter akiva goldsmith is 
in the opening credits yeah. saying that he is a great vi- graphic designer and that he thought of the design for the opening yes. credits. It's that kudos on the opening credits. Absolutely. That's, and which that's about it, though. I wish was in 3D because they fly at you. They fly away from you, actually. That's true. Yeah. That's absolutely true. But they're flying. They are flying. Um, we point. are one minute in. And it's cod pieces, rubber nipples, and ass shots. Yeah. It's the it's it's basically the new Batman and Robin suits. Yes, exactly. And let me just And it is so cock heavy. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so homoerotic, you don't even know what's going he on. He doesn't Joel even... Schumacher sounds Ooh, I love this scene. I I I can't imagine the reimagining of the suits was so invigorating for me. It really it, <laughs> it is literally the theme basically of the commentary is that either this movie is shit and I acknowledge it and uh and I did this just to do it. Right. Here's the redesign of the bat suits yeah. for no other reason just cuz we could. I felt like it. Yeah, it was, it was basically uh it was either he being Total, like realizing that this is just a pile of shit. Yes. And going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the best or not of this. Let me just tell you, or, the listener, the listeners, that we kept a track we called EFSs. Yes, excuses for shittiness. Yes, which he he admits it's it literally there are two things you kept track of EFSs and AFSs. AFSs is acceptance for shittiness. Yes, which is where he goes. Well, this scene sucks. That's yeah, it. that yeah. it sucks, and then it, <laughs> EFSs, which there are more of. Oh, is, clearly is ex, is excuses, which is this scene sucks, because, but this is why. This yeah, is why because uh, we really wanted to stick to the uh, so to what, the comic. One of the first things he says, and let me just this sets the stage. Oh, it does. Val Kilmer was the Batman in Batman Forever. He decided not to do this movie in favor of filming. The Saint. Yes. Yes, The Saint. Schumacher makes a specific point of saying that they couldn't get Val Kilmer back, even though they tried, because he wanted to make The Saint. There is dual levels of of crap here. One, you couldn't get Val Kilmer. Two, because he was doing The The Saint. Saint. That's right. (laughs) He was doing The Saint. That's why you couldn't get him. Oh, that's bad. Uh, Three minutes and 17 seconds into the film, you get your first excuse for shittiness. Yes. Um, Basically, the the underlying theme is um, basically... We were rushed to do this movie, or we had to make toys for this movie. Right. Oh, there were so many, so many times he referenced the merchandise, where he made certain scenes and certain parts and certain characters even, just so they could sell fucking toys, man. Absolutely. Basically, this movie is crap, not because of me, but because of Hasbro toys. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is why... Because Warner Brothers decided to sell out. Oh, really? And you didn't? So you're trying to make the best movie you could without selling out. And everyone's saying, hey, we got to make Mr. Freeze more plastic looking so that we can sell fucking action figures. This, I will get into this later, but this is the one thing I hate most about movies. This is such the sellout shit, dude. It's an it's, excuse. Oh, but There's a the reason why we use the word excuse because, let's face it, Avatar did not make all of its money off of action figures. No. And it, believe... It made plenty of oh, money. Billion. It's <laughs> and in the billion I've never range. seen an Avatar action figure. Yeah. No, never neither have I. I've uh, I've seen uh, I've seen Avatar I think three times now. 
I have never seen, not that I'm the market for the toys, no. but there has not been in my DVD insert, there was not, hey, buy this, you know, super special edition that comes with the, which by you know, the Natiri, you know, bow and arrow set or Absolutely, whatever. which by the way, I remember being a kid, you know, whenever the movie came out in 97, so yeah. I was 10 years old. Yep. An insert in the VHS tape wow. for the toys. Oh, yeah. Total cop-out. So, anyway. And he he acknowledges that the whole time. Absolutely. He blames it, basically. Yeah. Like, you're not the sole creator. It's an excuse for shittiness is what it is. It's an (laughs) EFS. It's an Uh, EFS. Four minutes, 32 seconds in, you get the first of possibly hundreds Mr. Freeze puns. Puns. I mean, my condition has left me cold for your pleas of mercy. It's so bad. I mean, it is really, the puns are just absolutely insane. 450, I won't go through all of them because there's a lot. Yeah. At 450 is your second excuse for shittiness. So within the first five minutes, you have two. Two excuses of why this movie is going to suck for two hours and five minutes. Uh, If you watch this film, understand that Gotham City is not a real place, which is why it looks so fake. Also understand that it does not take place on planet Earth, which is why the laws of physics do not apply. Which is why, for for instance, Robin's motorcycle makes a perfect robin symbol shape <laughs> hole yeah. in the wall he busts through yep. and why mr freeze tosses a security guard possibly 100 feet in the air yes and he falls down and doesn't die just really kind of yelps and yeah. uh, uh, oh, okay. oh god no i'm good i'm good um you know one thing we noticed at about the 15 minute mark how come <laughs> this is 15 minutes into the movie Come on now. We 15 have, minutes. This is bad. This movie, how come Gotham City looks completely and utterly different in every movie? Every this single is Batman movie. Serious every single movie. Flipping uh, bond measures that they're passing for this. Yeah. The, they're completely like, they're hey, we need a new city hall yeah. every four years. Seriously. And not only that, not we need to that. be made of naked stone men. <laughs> yeah. Who is uh, doing this? I, I didn't read the comics, but I'm pretty sure the comics. Uh, didn't change every single comic book they made. I'm sure they didn't change Gotham City drastically every single time. Yeah. There could have at least been. I think the only the only uh, themes of all let's say six now all six Gotham yes. cities has been darkness, has been you know the the scum of the city, and has been the light rail. Or the train, <laughs> some or whatever sort it is. of tram, some sort of tram, some sort that's of all, tram. That's the only thing. Everything else is completely different. Everything else is like, okay, well, we're gonna have these giant monoliths of statues of just random dudes holding up, you know, random shit. It's like that doesn't make any sense at all for for any engineering or it, architecture or anything like that. that one of the themes, your was- city is not doing well. Because you need a fucking Batman to save it. So you don't have money for stupid shit like that. We'll go through really... Go through the play-by-play. Yeah. Um, There is uh, many... So we wondered, how do you stretch a plot so thin? Mm. Uh, Which, literally, I won't describe to you. Read the back of the DVD box. That gives you the move. That's it. Um, Start to finish. How do you stretch it for two hours and five minutes... Uh, basically, there's a lot of sweeping overhead shots, yep. which are easily the best part of this film. <laughs> I mean, the production value is very nice. Very well done. 
it's naked stone men who make it does a city. what it can. It does what it can. Um, I mean, I made note here. There is thirty seconds of character development for Poison Ivy. Yeah, which may seem bad compared to the immediately following three seconds <laughs> yes. of character yes. development for Mr. For Mr. Freeze. Yes. It I was mean, awful. You didn't. You don't learn about these characters in Batman Forever, and then the intro that you get is so. Like, you're introduced to Mr. Freeze in the first action scene of the movie. But then, the backstory you get is so half-assed. It's like, hey, we forgot to uh, tell him what he's uh, doing. Uh, oh, let's let's just say he uh, fell into a uh, vat of freezing shit and it froze him. Okay. Uh, done. He's fallen in. Scream. And he's out. Okay, now everyone knows that he's fallen into some freezing shit, which is why he's frozen. Basically, to tell you why it's this awful. movie stinks... Um, Basically, Batman Returns came out yeah. and was, uh, I would argue, a very good Tim Burton movie. So would Ryan. That happens to feature Batman characters. Right. Very dark. You know, it, really there's no heroism in the movie. There's no good out of it. Right. It's very dark. Ends, you know, basically badly. Uh, huge, huge backlash. Yeah. People took their kids to this movie, think it's going to be a Batman movie, think they're going to have some fun. Ends up being totally dark, whatever. Right. So the Batman franchise is dead for a couple of years. Joel Schumacher comes in, makes Batman Forever, which is your typical Hollywood popcorn action adventure flick. Yeah, I which have, is, I have, I have a few, but few problems with it. Yeah, but it, it, it aged very badly. But it's yes. your typical flick. Yes. It's your typical. It is a huge booming success. Yeah, it is basically everything you would want in a general superhero film, and the studios would want. Absolutely, it makes yes. tons of money. Does so well. So instead of waiting a couple years, they immediately make Batman and Robin. They immediately make it. They immediately want to capitalize on what made it popular, which basically shows in the film. And Schumacher acknowledged it. Schumacher acknowledges it. And but then again, you're you're a filmmaker. Yeah. This is supposed to be your art, your craft. If I don't lay the blame off of him, if he decides to be a pawn for this. No, me neither. Um. So we'll skip ahead. Twenty six forty six. We call an excuse for whoreness. Oh, clearly. Uh, di- different than excuse for shittiness. This is an excuse for, <laughs> this is why the studio wanted to sell out in this way, and I gladfully laid down for it. <laughs> right. This is for... This is meh. Joel Schumacher just basically opening his asshole up and letting <laughs> someone from the studio jam whatever they wanted right up it. And this happened at least three times. Absolutely. Um, about, I'm looking at... Gosh, about an hour, ten minutes into it, um, there is a line in in this in the Schumacher. Well, first of all, at twenty nine minutes, yeah, we have our first Alicia Silverstone. Yes, sighting. we do. Savior of the movie. No, for joke. God's sake. Let me give you. So Alicia Silverstone's <laughs> in there. We'll leave it at that. You don't need to know anymore. Right. Um, let me Lord give you two her. lines at two separate points of commentary that pretty much sum this up. Um, at twenty nine, right, excuse me. At about 28 minutes in, Joel Schumacher refers to Vivica A. Fox as a, quote, incredibly talented actress. He does. And she at, was in it for maybe five seconds. At an hour 10, he refers to, quote, the great Coolio in his film. Coolio. Coolio. The rapper. Great Coolio. What? Not great at rapping, not great at acting. I'm not sure what. How is he the great? 
He's the great at maybe playing the dude that has these crazy uh, beaded, rubber-banded little shit in his hair. Absolutely. Um, at one at 107 minutes, we have quote. This was an attempt to. So basically acknowledging was, you're a total we failure. We can pause it right there and just say E F S. Excuse for shitting. This was an attempt. Two, basically acknowledging it was a horrible, miserable failure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I won't even... I, I didn't even bother making note of what part of this film was, whether it was the black rubber nipples on the suit, oh, the yeah. built-in thong to any bat suit, whether it was the gangs that were dressed respectively as, <laughs> quote, the band that wrote Rock Me Amadeus. Rock Me Amadeus. And a clockwork orange. Uh-huh. Any number of these things could be described as an attempt to. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. So to wrap this up, uh, let me tell you, at, um, at uh, an hour, 49 minutes, Joel Schumacher begins to mock his own film. <laughs> yes, he does. For about five <laughs> minutes straight. <laughs> he mocks his own film. He does so three times uh, <laughs> until the end of the film. Yes, he does. Um, Basically, and, and this this was not a commentary that was made directly as the dvd was released this was at least after uh uma thurman had done kill bill because he references kill bill in yes this movie. he does he did this after the fact meaning he knows the backlash he knows how bad this is and he still agreed to do a fucking commentary for it and he and he says i believe the first mocking was uh something to the effect of you know the villain Finally makes his big reveal of his dastardly plan. Right. This is someone who's making fun of a movie you right. made. Right. Not someone who made the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Finally, he's making his plan. Oh, as if we wouldn't have expected it. So let's just wrap it up yeah, right here. Please. For a full review, um, we have a total of 20 acknowledged EFSs. Yes. Excuses for shittiness. Yep. Um, at least we may have missed some. We may have missed some. We may have recategorized some because we true. have at least one excuse for whoreness. That's true. Two, um, excuse me, three mocking of your own film. Yep. And this is your own category. Yep. Whatever you would call referring to Coolio and Vivica A. Fox <laughs> as great members of your cast. There were two of those. <laughs> two of those. Whatever you would call them. Two of those. Two of those. Kevin, what is... Well done. Uh, My few points to make after that, because really, you hit the nail on the head. That was so awesome. (laughs) Really, you watch watch the commentary, you have a greater depreciation for this movie. (laughs) Depreciation. You really do. Um, But it, it is clear after watching this commentary that Joel Schumacher is not a Batman fan. No. Because he doesn't understand the character, he doesn't understand the story, and he doesn't understand the motivation behind why maybe Batman or his villains would do what they do. Hundred percent. And I, I've mocked. I've I made some notes, so I took yeah. notes. Um, let me just highlight a couple. Please things. do. Please as do. a Batman fan, yes. as a full-on nerd, um, let me just tell you, as someone whose whose girlfriend walked into their bedroom for the first time. Looked at my desk full of action figures. Whoa, and went, whoa, 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 whoa! This is getting graphic, huh? No, no. She just novel? was coming to visit. Looked at the and went, whoa. Okay, so let me just tell you. You had her at whoa. Uh, okay, so ba- as Kevin said, um, it literally um, you can tell that they do not have any sort of appreciation for the motivations. Um, if you watch 
there's sort of a behind-the-scenes featurette. Joel, uh, George Clooney says, quote, As we're talking about the film, we decided this wasn't a guy who was still hung up on his parents. This was a guy who has lots of money, who lives a great life, who is a fighter for justice, someone who is really kind of settled with all that, who is at peace with it. If he was at peace with what happened to his parents, he would not be Batman. Exactly. Batman is not a well-centered individual. Right. Batman is not, theoretically, someone who is a a live-and-let-live sort of guy. He is... Uh, Let bygones be bygones. So as a Batman fan, that tells you, as a full-fledged nerd, that he obviously not only does not get it, doesn't care that he doesn't get it. Right. He obviously does not see that, well, maybe we're straying away from what is the tenets of the character. This is a, He said, hey, you know what? We looked at this and said, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, it's not supposed to make sense. Yes. That's why he's Batman. Right. He doesn't get it. Um, that much was made painfully clear during the entire commentary. Let me make you a couple quotes that I marked here. Let me, let me first uh, make you a little something. Ooh, here we go. Yes! That, oh, I'm so happy about that. That is phenomenal. R. Kelly! That Gotham is, City, baby! From the original soundtrack for this film, R. Kelly, Gotham City. You know he made that for this movie. 100%. But for this movie. For this one. Don't worry, folks. Seal, I, Seal was able to make the one for the one before. Yes. R. Kelly was called in for this one, and he made... Uh, I'll say it an epic. Warner Brothers Records stepped up their game they when they went to this song. We will post this YouTube on the Facebook you know they page so you could derpy it. You could whatever nefarious means you need to do to get a hold of this song because you, know you need it. You know what they did? They actually spent, <laughs> they probably spent more money on the soundtrack of this movie with that one song. Than they did with the entire uh, rest of the movie. No question. That soundtrack featured the Smashing Pumpkins. It's good. No, R. Good. Kelly and Jewel. Oh, which you know you had... To, which are all original tracks. Oh, yeah. So you know you had to pay more money oh, yeah. for them than for... Well, unless they got residuals. Unless they got like back-end cuts where you didn't have to pay them up front. But still... Clooney could not have got the money that R. Kelly got. Let's be real. <laughs> so let me give you a couple um, quotes that yeah, sort of yeah, show yeah, yeah. My, my main point and right. my really my one point, which is that obviously these people clearly did not understand the material, did not care that they didn't understand the material, right. and and really were not taking the material seriously, which you could argue is the most insulting person thing you can do Things, to a yeah. son. Yeah. I mean, if you're making a World War II movie and you're not taking World War II seriously, yeah. you're not making a... A uh, biographical film on a great world leader. You're not taking them seriously, right. you know. So let's 100%. give you, let's give you some quotes here. Um, hey, it's just a Batman movie, which is a direct quote from Joel Schumacher describing why a character is doing what they're doing. Hey, it's a Batman movie. Another quote is quote, it's just a comic book movie. I mean, what is that? It's just a comic book movie. I mean, what? It's just a comic book movie. Didn't you agree to make a whole movie based on the comic book? I mean, to me, that that just shows that they didn't care. That that you just said, okay, Batman Forever made a ton of money. We got to strike while the iron's hot. We got to make a bunch of dough. Which, I understand, it's a business. But at the same time, movies like Avatar, movies like Titanic, I mean, 
movies like The Dark Knight didn't make a ton of money, ba- and they did make a ton of money, but they didn't make the money based on selling toys. They didn't make the money based on tongue-in-cheek, based on, a, you know, stripping the characters down to the lowest common denominator. They did it by staying, tr- by, by taking their material at the very least seriously. This this crew did not do that. You are you are harking on a topic that you don't even want to get me started on. Um, this will come up in my top five, and we we may have to have an after hours about this because honestly, I I am so I I really hate the way that movies are made in the sense that Joel, Joel Schumacher just, you know, was was speaking about him as in you got to sell merchandise as if as, as if that's just an integral part of the movie making and process. And he played it off like, "Hey, the studio wanted to sell merchandise, therefore this is what I had to do." He's hey, a whore. If that's the case, walk away from the film. Right. If if you're saying let, let, let me let me say this. Uh, Spielberg was he has been a part of Universal since he has even started making great movies. He has made almost every single one of his great movies for Universal because he is he's they've locked him into a contract because they have given him every single thing that he wanted. Has Steven Spielberg ever made a movie thinking, I guarantee you you won't well, I can't guarantee it because I haven't done it, but I guarantee you listen if if Spielberg even did a commentary, which I doubt he has ever done. If he does that, I guarantee he doesn't fucking mention merchandise in his goddamn commentary. He mentioned, He's talking about movie making the whole time, not selling fucking toys. Let me tell you another key point, which I forgot to mention in my review. Okay. Um, let's just say the only time, I don't know if I said this, that Joel Schumacher credits the screenwriter. Is at the beginning. The beginning, The right? opening credits, you do. So he yeah. pre-credits the screenwriter at the beginning. Right. Very minimal. Very after that, here's who he credits. The set designer, the stuntmen, and then he blames the studio for wanting to make toys. He really did. So, is that to say that basically the only really good thing about this movie was that it looked pretty, guys knew it had to fall down, yep. and, the, and, the, and the opening credits were really something to see. That's, that's basically what he appreciates out of this movie, it seems like. Um, the few more points, or... A couple more points I have are, uh, first of all, this is a direct comment towards Maddie C. Uh, 39 minutes, 11 seconds into this movie. Maddie C., I know you probably have seen it, if not own it. Um, 39 minutes, 11 seconds, Arnold breaks the fourth wall. He says, he, he basically, he goes in and he, you know, someone's talking and he, he kills him, punches him, does something with him. However, di- you know, dis- dismisses them. And he says, I hate when people talk during the movie. That's the fourth wall. That's broken. He breaks the fourth wall. So that's a Maddie C. Shout out. Uh, next. I think it's, it's hilarious because I learned this in the commentary. Joel Schumacher said that this film was shot in part at the AFI headquarters. AFI is American Film Institute. And they're the ones that do the top 100... You know, of all time movies, top villains of all time, top heroes of all time. They do all those hundred, you know, hundred list movies. Um, this is is pretty much a movie that will never see the likes of AFI again, unless AFI does a bottom one hundred of all cinema. It's just it's terrible. Um, 
I just thought that was ironic. Uh, next, I would say that Joel Schumacher seems to think that... Um, so, so like Franklin said before, uh, Batman Forever was a big hit, and it was the reason for this next, you know, for Batman and Robin. But Batman Forever, I believe, was rated PG-13. And I think Franklin would also agree with that. And so, when you make a PG-13 movie, you assume that you're making a movie for people over the age of, you know, 13 or older. You're not making a movie for kids. You're making a movie for 13, you know, teenagers or above. Uh, so, Joel Schumacher makes a note in this movie saying that people had had contacted him since the last movie and said that Batman Forever was too dark for their kids and that, you know, their kids, uh, it, it was too much. It was too dark. It was too scary. It was too intense for their kids. So, you know, ease up on the next one. And if I could, I'm sorry I wasn't there to confirm. I was actually contacting my sources at Warner Brothers, a.k.a. <laughs> the back of the right. DVD box. Yeah, right. Believe it or not, this film was also rated PG-13. So he caters to fucking kids clearly in this movie and he references it throughout the commentary he says you know this is a movie that kids will love that you know i wanted to make sure the kids weren't freaked out by this and it's pg fucking 13 if you're gonna make a goddamn and i that's probably studio involvement saying that we're not gonna sell any you know we're not gonna sell tickets if you make a batman movie at pg but still don't cater to the lowest literally the youngest common denominator don't because they shouldn't come to see the movie if it's PG-13 and their parents bring them to the movie, that's their fault. Not your fault. Make a movie for PG-13 fucking audiences. Absolutely. Last point I had was that um, he made a he made a, a reference uh, to the fact that after Batman Returns, a lot of people thought that this franchise was dead. And then he, he made this comment saying, no, no, no. It's not dead. You know, I... And he took on Batman Forever uh, and, you know, Batman and Robin. So basically what he acknowledged that he said was that, you think this franchise is dead? Oh, no. Wait until I kill this franchise. <laughs> you think... Tim, wait until I kill this franchise. Hold on, wait a minute. Batman, one of the most successful characters, if not the most successful character in American fiction. Yep. You think Tim Burton did a doozy on this after the second film? Oh, Let no. me show you what I can do in two films. Yeah, seriously. I will regain the hopes so I get Batman Forever so successful. Let me get as many eyeballs on this franchise as possible. Real. Then in Batman Robin, I'll take all those eyeballs and just stick Stab my... Stab them. Yeah. <laughs> poke them and just show them. Let me... Sh let Serves me you right, bitches. <laughs> Let me show you how much Batman stinks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the point where oh, the studio God. actually was going to our theme of the night, Franchise Killers, going, Batman. Okay, maybe we'll take a step back from this. Batman, I don't think that works. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> I don't hey, think... Joel, why don't you go uh, try something else? You know, Batman. Try some, uh, try some other Literally, shit. this has worked in every decade, in every <laughs> genre. But you know what? After tried it, except you. After this movie... I don't see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so that's our review of uh, Batman and Robin. Let's give our ratings. Franklin, your rating first. My rating, I will, you know what? God, I will take the number of... One to ten. Puns in this film. Uh, Batman puns, Mr. Freeze puns, Poison Ivy puns, divided by 10,000. <laughs> and give this film a solid 
two out of ten. There you this go. is what keeps it out of a zero. The only okay. good things about this film. Well, there's a one as well. There's also the no. I'm saying one. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it had one of these things, it'd be a one. Okay. And that's two. It's a two. Okay. Uh, visually, this movie is very well done. For its time, and you know, very well done set design. The opening credits, I wish were in 3D because they take you they to another. I mean, my if you went to any other movie and the credits went like that, you'd say, you know, "Wow, be a good." Because when I when you said that, when you said you know. When you mentioned how good the the opening credits were, I immediately thought of Sweeney Todd. Yes, Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd, yes. where that you follow the blood flow mm-hmm. through the entire credits. I immediately thought, how awesome would it be to do a top five best opening credits? That would be good. that'd be a great top five. But sorry, my second is the Smashing Pumpkin song, which is sadly at the end. not. Featured till the so, credits. So at you the can end. take the credits at the beginning <laughs> and the end and say the rest. Fuck it. I love the bookends of this movie. I'm going to come clean with our with our listeners right now. Any part of this film that involves a living, breathing human being sucks. <laughs> Absolutely sucks. But that song, which was also featured in the previews for The Watchmen, yep. uh, which I was at the midnight showing of The Dark Knight, and that preview came on with that song, and I was probably the only person in America who threw their arms up and went... Batman and Rock. <laughs> that's a no. reuse of that song. You probably were. Um, uh, but that, that's what that's what to me makes it a two out of ten. Is the opening credits, the visual, you know, they really it, it really is something to see. Yeah. Um, and that song. Yeah. Make it to me a two. There you go. So that's if you enjoy what Franklin enjoys, it's a two. If not. Skip it. If you're an eye candy guy like me, <laughs> if you like visual stuff, graphic stuff, uh, graphics as far as like graphic design, that's a pretty. It's, it's, it's something. Yeah. It's fun for your eyes to watch because it's not all CG though. Exactly. A lot of it is real set pieces, which is impressive. People built that. There were a so. lot of set pieces. It must have cut a, cost a lot of money. If you are someone who ca- you, who cares, you know about substance, nah. <laughs> this is not your film. Nah. <laughs> this is not your film at all. Yeah, um, I will say first of all, Watchmen underrated movie. I really like the Watchmen. Really, I think it's actually a really good movie. Um, I would like to review it. We will see when that happens. But as far as my, uh, you know, I can't, I can't help but agree with my co-host. Two is all this movie deserves. The reason why it's at not the a, most. I was reason, stretching with credits in a song. The reason why it's not a, a one or a zero for me. I've never met a zero, actually. I've never met a zero movie. So the reason why it's not a one for me, it's not because of the music. It's not because of the visuals. It's because the because of Alicia Silverstone's Ooh. pretend bat suit nips. They tried. <laughs> they tried. They, they, they made nips on Clooney. They made nips on Chris... Whatever his fucking name, Chris O'Donnell. They didn't make nips on Batgirl, but they pretended where her point came up on that suit is pretty much a nip. You can see it. So the booby bump, booby bump it up. (laughs) It's a two out of ten for me. Oh yeah, let me. uh, Please wax. Let me uh, wax on this. What you said about the zero or the one? You know, I just want to put a a little piece of advice to our listeners. Yeah, my. one of my best friends and my former roommate, Jerome Roberts. Yes. Shout out. Jerome T. Roberts. Shout out. Uh, JT. He has a theory. If you're ever flipping through, if you have Comcast and you're flipping through bad movies. Yeah. A movie that has no stars 
is not as comedically bad as a movie that has one stars. If you watch a movie with zero stars, most likely, that movie just has not been reviewed. Listen. If someone has taken the time to give this movie one star, it is god-awful. Listen, Comcast, you cannot trust their fucking no, you, ratings. If you, you either have a one star, which means it's bad, and you can accept that it's bad. And or we're talking Transmorphers bad. Exactly. Or you can... Transmorphers. Trans... Morphers. Morphers. You just blew my mind I on that one. Transmorphers bad. Transmorphers no, that's Transmorphers. Not, not even pretending to go to to go to a big screen. <laughs> no, that's a direct knockoff. I thought you were talking Transformers too. Um, and then you get a movie with four stars, and you can accept that that movie is actually a solid movie. If you get a movie with three stars or two stars, toss up. Totally you have no idea. Should. You know, what? I'm fairly sure. I've that seen so many more. Th- so many more movies with three stars that deserve to be one stars and movies with two stars that deserve to be four stars than I've ever seen, ever. I don't know who who rates those movies, but whoever is in charge of that on Comcast clearly gets paid to throw darts at a fucking board with numbers on it. Last point That's of this all tangent, I remember watching Forrest Gump on TV. I'm fairly certain that movie won Best Picture. You are correct on that. Yeah, it's got three <laughs> stars on someone Comcast. Must have been, someone must <laughs> three well, stars. Well, you heard uh, you heard Jake's uh, voicemail last episode. He said that Forrest Gump maybe shouldn't have won based on what it was up against, but it's that's still a four won. star film. That was a solid, a solid. He said he said it shouldn't have beat Pulp Fiction. I think both should be four-star movies. <laughs> no kidding. And it was a three-star, and I guarantee you Pulp Fiction's maybe one, two, three stars. <laughs> it's it's retarded. Anyways, uh, let's. so we gave our ratings, two and a two. Let's get into what we watched. So what? I'm going to let you go first. What did we watch this last week, or for your... Uh, My entire lifetime Maybe your entire lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, say Sunday to Sunday. Okay, so I watched... Um, I just... I actually, believe it or not, as of two weeks ago, started Netflix. I never had Netflix. You of all people. Netflix. Believe it or not. Um, you liking it? I love it. And yeah. Here's the thing. My, my what we watch may be a little bit different because I don't necessarily like new movies. That's, hey, no argument there. If you give me, like, to watch uh, a new film like... Shutter Island. Shutter Island compared to an old film like when I watched Insomnia. Ooh. I picked Ooh. Insomnia. So what I've watched in the last week... A I, tried and true movie. I love Insomnia. I watched I watched The Insider with Russell Crowe and Al Pacino. I like that movie. One of my favorite movies. I like One that of my movie. favorite stories, because it's true. It's very good. Um, about very good. A, uh, a, cig- a tobacco, a big tobacco executive who uh, basically, he's a, he's, a, he's a science guy uh, brought in to that company to test the effectiveness of... Exactly. Of in the that, nicotine. In that time when they're fighting to say nicotine is not bad for you, cigarettes aren't bad for exactly. you. Exactly. Right. He found out that they were, he gets fired, and he becomes an insider for Al Pacino, who beca- who was a 60 Minutes producer right. for a television, uh, 60 Minutes television piece. And it's Basically really... trying to land him to give that breakout interview to out the tobacco company. What I love about it is it's so real. It's, it's you know, he's, he's, he's not your typical hero. Uh, he's not gung ho about it, referring uh, to Russell Crowe, um, right. but he's not whiny. He's not the kind of guy who's like who you watch that tried to make that non-hero yeah. who you just get annoyed with. You're like, yeah. just man yeah. up. Right. This is a guy whose wife and children leave him because of the decisions he's made, whose life is threatened because of the decisions he's made. Yep. You understand why he's apprehensive, 
And yet Very. he still fights through it. Yes. And he does this. And he fights for this. I yep. think it's very. I think it's it's a great story if, about nothing else than a man doing the right thing. It is a great movie. I love that. And then recommend I, it to everyone out there. The Insider is phenomenal. Yep. Um, my like second two thousand three. Very early in Russell Crowe's career, really kind of landed. Two thousand one. Really kind of landed Russell Crowe on the map. Yeah. No, it's really good. So I mean, it's on Netflix. I don't think it's instant yet. I know. I do not believe so. It, mm, it's close. Because they do a lot of those old movies that are classics that no one's going to buy anymore because yes. they've already bought it. They instant, and so that might be an instant classic. And soon. Netflix is great for you know for me because I, as much of a movie watcher that I am, most movies I cannot watch more than once. Yeah, I, I watch it. I'm like I, I love The Insider. I saw it when it first came out, and I was like in high middle school, maybe yeah. early high school. This is the only the second watching for me. Yeah, uh, I can't watch uh-huh. it. Uh, I, I, I was the same way with, uh, I heard, because I just, you know, I saw Shutter Island last week. Okay. Uh, it was on my, what we watched last week. Yes. Um, I heard it's so much better on second viewing, because you understand, because there's a twist at the end, you understand the twist. Which, by you the can, way, I kind of saw coming. I don't too. need to be one of those guys. I think I said that. Me too, though. I think you did. I don't want to be one of those guys who says that I didn't... immediately recognized it, but only because... When I watched it, I had heard there was this twist. So yes, I was you kind of you look for a twist. You look but for but if I wasn't, I don't I don't think I would have even rewatched it. Just be, I mean, it was it was I got it Netflix. It was sitting on my counter. I could have just easily popped it in the next day and watched sure. it again. I didn't because it's you know it's not my thing. I don't. I want to if I'm gonna if I'm gonna see a movie again, it's gonna be in like two or three years. Yeah, I feel like because I got more movies to watch. You know, and and if something is that good. And it can hold up, and I watch it again, and it holds up. More power to it. But Absolutely. if it holds up the next day, it's not saying much. Absolutely, you know, it's like, oh, I just saw it yesterday. And then I saw the same thing the next day. Well, yeah, I could understand the. My opinion where they has were not really that, but... been seasoned since exactly. twenty four hours ago. Exactly. The second movie I saw, uh, which is a newer one, was District Nine. I had not seen that. You had yet. not seen that. What did Finally. you think? Please tell me what you thought. Uh, District Nine. I thought. Um, for a movie that was fairly low budget, fairly low production, yeah. uh, really a very good uh, kind of different take on that sci-fi alien genre. I really like that. Um, I still thought the aliens looked a little cartoonish to me. Yeah, when I, mean, I saw the there's preview, there's only so much Peter Jackson can do. I that. was digging the preview until I saw the aliens, and I yeah. kind of laughed at them. Yeah, and that's why I never saw it in theater. T, hold up. All right, sorry. District 9. Hold on, let me just regroup after yeah, that. Yeah, sorry. Wow. Your soul has been... Uplifted. <sighs> I feel so much better. It really has. You should. You should. I do. Gotham City, baby. But the aliens turned me off a yeah. little bit because they're weird. But you look through that, it's an interesting take, and I thought, you know what? You see so many movies that are low budget, that are a new director, not a lot of resources, right. that are bad, and kind of use that as an excuse. Right. I thought this movie showed that you can make a great... If you have a great original idea, if you got a good director behind it, you don't need a lot of resources yeah. to make a very good movie. A I very agree. intelligent movie. Uh, a, very so, you know, a somewhat socially aware movie. Oh, I, yeah. I thought it was... Given that as the context, as its handicap, right. I would say. Yep. I thought it was very well done. Yes. I think so, too. I think the... The trailer maybe does it an injustice because of how prominent the aliens are in the movie. Absolutely. And how you just, like, for me, 20 minutes in, aliens in the movie, bought it. 
just immediately Absolutely. understood that they were interacting totally. It was seamless. I would compare and contrast this movie to someone you referred to earlier, Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Yeah. War of the Worlds, Which huge sucked. budget, great effects, visually very good, but it was a formula that had been done to death. You know what? That's War true. of the Worlds in the modern century has been done. It was called Independence Day. Yep. It was basically the same movie. It was better than Independence Day. You know what? I remember sitting in, in War of the Worlds saying, you know what? At the end, when it's the the germs, the whatnot, I say, you know what? That not only is the same ending that was used in the original, so it kind of spoilers. Right. Second of all, it doesn't really make sense. You know, in theory, right. the, just to recap, these aliens have been watching us for hundreds of years. They wouldn't have noticed someone catching a cold at some right. point. Right. But anyway... I compare that to District 9, a movie with very little resources, unknown director, but a great concept, well yes. written, well directed. I thought was I thought it was it was as a someone who likes that sci-fi genre, yeah. when it's unrealistic. I don't like fantasy stuff. Right. But that kind of semi realistic sci-fi genre, I thought really great effort, really well done. I agree. I, I really I really appreciate it. There you go. Uh, you got one more? Or That's that it. it. That's what I want. Okay. What I watched. Uh, most prominently was toy story 3 uh i saw toy story 3 which was you know the big the big uh blockbuster of the summer no no kidding which kind um, of shows the sad state of movies in 2010 well but agreed. that was a that was however, the blockbuster however however well it's only half over um but i think toy story 3 was i think it was really good i think did you see it in 3d no, I hate 3D. <laughs> That's right. That's I, right. That's right. I, I will forever hate 3D. Um, I'm so happy Roger Ebert is so vocal about anti-3D because I can I can harken That's back right. to his reviews and say that 3D just makes everything worse because it's it's just such poor quality right now. Well, for those who, anyone who knows me, I wear very thick black framed glasses. He does. Uh, 3D glasses are very cumbersome over the glasses. Mm-hmm. So any movie that's offered in 3D that I can watch and appreciate. From your, from right. what I hear from you, not in 3D, I look forward yes. to. And from what I've heard, Toy Story did no better. In th- it was no better in 3D. Okay, the 3D was very subtle. Very good to hear. Um, but I think that Toy Story, as a trilogy, is the perfect trilogy. I think it is the most complete trilogy. It understood it was a trilogy, first of all. So um, it, it ends pretty well in the third movie. It ends well. Um okay. I think it was great. It relied it relied on a lot of stuff of the, you know, like of the second one, and of even of the first one. But but that's not to its discredit. No. Um, it it really had some amazing scenes. Uh, there is no spoiler in this, you know, in this uh, review. But there are two scenes at the end of the movie that make it pretty dusty in the theater, to where your eyes kind of may water because it's so dusty. In the really? theater. Hey, you know what? I, I see that because you know it's what? It's very dusty. Pixar, uh, great movies. Oh, best, best you know, studio I saw Up, out there. I saw Up yeah. with a buddy in 3D. Literally just to see it in 3D. My buddy was like, hey, yeah. you know, let's go see it in 3D. Let's go see it. Think? You know what? That opening scene with the oh, old man. Incredible montage. You know what? Best I, montage of all time. When you watch it, it's a cartoon. Right, it's a card. It's a very well done cartoon. It sets it sets it's the scene so in five emotional. minutes. It's so emotional. Oh my god, it's incredible. Yes. So yes. I fully believe that Toy Story does yes. the same thing. Those, At mean, the end, though, because Toy Story has such a history, because you've grown. Well, I guess for me personally, I'll say that I've grown kind of with Toy absolutely. Story because I I saw Toy Story one, which was ninety five, I believe. Mm-hmm. I saw that when I was what 
nine years old. You know what? I spoke to my dad about this, yeah. and he and he saw it with my brother. He said he really liked it, really good. My dad, and, and he said, you know, what's funny is that they kind of have to cater to an older audience. They do because, because that's who grew up with the, the kids. Oh yeah, who saw Store Story oh, yeah. One are ten years older now. Oh yeah, they're at least at very least I would say sixteen, seventeen. Definitely, definitely, and that's what my dad made a similar comment, not to where what the audience is, but my dad said he saw Toy Story 3 and he immediately, these these two scenes that I'm talking about, not necessarily the, the first scene. The first scene is the, I'll just say it's an orange scene. It was the most powerful scene I've seen in a Pixar movie A scene you've ever. seen? A scene, S-C-E-N-E, <laughs> that I've seen, S-E-E-N. Uh, but it's the most powerful scene I have viewed mm-hmm. in a Pixar movie ever. Uh, the last scene in Toy Story 3 is very reminiscent of what my dad like my dad called he basically called me and said I saw Toy Story 3 what'd you think and we talked about it and then he's like you know that last scene was really emotional for me because I saw myself and you guys like I saw he saw me and my brother in it. It's like because no spoiler um you know this, Andy goes away. Yes. And kind of gives his toys. And my dad kind of saw that as the the parting of ways with one generation being, playing with toys, being a little kid, to the next generation moving off to college away from home. Sure. And so that he found that very emotional to where that's like, you know, it's too, it was so real for him that it was, you know, it was, it hit home mm-hmm. for him to where it was, you know, and that... If anything, that's a sign of really good storytelling, really good... Both parties involved can kind of see it. Exactly. From a child's perspective, exactly. you can feel that parting. From the parent looking onto the child, you can feel that parting. Exactly. Um, but not only those scenes, uh, I think Toy Story, it knew it was a third movie. They have said that they have no intention of making Toy Story 4. Mm-hmm. So it wrapped it up very well. Um, Pixar is hands down the best studio best movie studio making movies out there they're they're better than any live action studio ever like i think they're the best studio ever and i'll go on record as saying that they have made the best movies of all time consistently not not that they've not that i think you know like ratatouille is the best movie of all time mm-hmm. but they have consistently they have been they are the best movie studio of day it's it's if very you take, good if it's you impressive. Take the average it's very good it's impressive yes um, yeah, and so the next things I've seen, uh, only three other things. Crazy Heart, I saw, uh, Jeff Bridges, amazing, always, still is. Uh, the dude. I, I, I give that movie more credit than it was given. Um, it's actually a good movie, but Jeff Bridges just elevates the shit to the top. You know, you mentioned this earlier, uh, before we started the podcast. That movie, really, Jeff Bridges is given all the credit. You don't hear much about the movie itself. But the movie is actually good. It's not It's not great, but it's good. It's a good story. Mm-hmm. It's a good story. Um, my second is Midnight Meat Train. Or my third, I guess. Midnight Meat Train. It's a uh, movie with Bradley Cooper and the dude that's always the angry English guy in those uh, soccer movies. Uh, Vinny something or other. But Vinny plays this... You uh, lost me on English soccer. This guy, this guy plays uh, the Midnight Meat Train... You know, I guess killer. I guess I won't spoil it. He kills because people. he kills people. That's why it's a meat train. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty hilarious. Actually, it's a 
it's in the vein kind of of those, you know, those uh, Eli Roth movies. What okay. was it called? The Hostel. Hostel. The Hostel movies. It's in the vein of that. Cabin Fever, which I've watched with you. Oh, yes. It's more or less a uh, kind of kind of more about the gore they call and those, more about like unintentional humor than they, it is about the What story. do they call those? Uh, torture porn? Torture porn. Torture it, porn? it is definitely torture porn. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bradley Cooper kind of... You know, he's good, but the last... The wheels fall off at the end, but it's still pretty entertaining. I would recommend it to anyone who likes horror, who likes torture porn, who likes any of that stuff, because it's actually a really good experience until you get to, like, the last ten minutes, and then it kind of falls off. But, you, I mean, you can still... You know what? I don't like horror it. movies. I love thrillers. Oh, it's... Like mysteries. It's exactly like that. The, the there movie, is a lot of gore, though. There's I feel like if you gore. like those kind of movies like me, it's so hard to find a good one. Yeah. No, People talk right. about... You know, hard to find good super action movies, whatever. Those movies, I feel like once every ten years you get a good thriller. It's tough. Well, it's because fucking movies like Saw come out and they make eighteen Absolutely. of them. Absolutely, and, and, and they're hard to make because you kind of have to be in. You kind of have to be intelligent to make them. I feel like you kind of have to. It's just like it's just like dumb humor. Yeah, dumb horror. You have to be. You know, only smart people can make dumb horror. I think it's, that's it's the same as humor. Smart people make dumb. Smart people make dumb humor. Just like I said with Dumb and Dumber, I mm-hmm. think honestly, it's and I get shit from this. I get shit for this from my dad. Is that I think Dumb and Dumber is one of the most intelligent dumb movies ever made because it's so dumb, but it's so intelligently made. It takes intelligent people to make dumb comedy. And it you takes have to intelligent people to make, dumb making fun to make dumb horror the same way. Okay. Um, last, lastly, is uh, Party Down. It's a stars series. It's about. Uh, Basically, caterers and their lives, everything like that. If you've heard about it, you know what I'm talking about. If not, seriously, Party Down. It's on Netflix Instant Q or Instant Viewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely watch it. So worth it. Uh, Adam Scott, the main character, hilarious. He's a dude. He's a uh, dickish older brother from Step Brothers. Okay. Yeah. The guy that goes up and gets punched in the uh, treehouse. He's hilarious. He, he, he's on a lot of stuff now. He's on like Parks, is it is he? like Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah, Parks and Rec. Yeah, he Parks does a lot of stuff now. Mm-hmm. He's that guy. Um, what's her name? His romantic interest on that show. I forget her name. Uh, whatever it is. She's pretty cute. Um, but that's that's it. So we're going to go to another break, and then we're going to get back and uh, go over our top five. So join us. I used to think that I could not go on And life was nothing but an awful song But now I know the meaning of true love I'm leaning on the everlasting arms If I can see it If I just believe it, there's nothing to it. I believe I can fly. I believe I can try. All right, we are back, and please allow me. Oh, wait, no, don't allow me. Allow me to break the ice. That's an Arnold pun for everyone. That's an Arnold pun. Arnold uh, pun. Don't worry about it. It's just one of those many Mr. Freeze puns. Allow me to break the ice. Though, but, oh my god. 
I think someone else has to break something else. Right here. Ready? Go. Oh my god, I love that. What a great song. I'm so happy. How do you not feel better about your life? After hearing that song. You really can't. You're we're right. going to post, like I said, we're going to post the full YouTube song on that oh, yeah. on the Facebook. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. If you haven't heard it, shame on you. Absolute shame on you. If you if you haven't heard it and you have heard uh, The Storm Is Over by R. Kelly, it's the same song. So, very, just very, lyrics. Very similar, and by very similar, I mean exactly the exactly same. Exactly <laughs> So maybe R. Kelly said, I'm going to do this song for you, we'll put it on the soundtrack, and then I'm going to do another song that's like exactly the same, but for my own album. Who knows? <laughs> Um, he's an artist. <laughs> he's an artist. We are on to top five. Uh, we just cracked the hour mark. We're sorry about that. Uh, you know, bear with us. We'll try and go. We'll try and go. Quick. Our top five will go swiftly. But I hope you're enjoying. That. I hope it's a solid oh, yeah. hour for you. It should be. So uh, I don't know who wants to go first. How about you go first? I'll go you're first. The guest. You go first with your top five. Appreciate that. So we're doing top five franchise franchise killers. killers. I think we'll be fun. At least with mine, I have a reason why the franchise was killed. Oh, same with me. With each one, because it's such a loose interpretation. Oh yeah, it is. Well, so, it's, it's 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 not necessarily loose. It's just like personal. It absolutely is personal. Okay. Good My point. number five, probably on your list as well, Spider Man Three. Um, not much needs to be said. I think most people kind of know about this movie. It followed up. If you were to make three years ago, or even two years ago, the list of top five super superhero movies like like was done on critical drinking mm-hmm. spider-man 3 if is probably number one uh if not in the top two um so you follow that up with possibly the worst one of the one of the absolute most terrible and i, I think spider-man 2 was on my list actually it was like number four so it's a very i don't even like spider-man on i like podcast.com. i like it very much um, Dot <laughs> Sorry. Spider-Man 3, I mean, I will go real quick. Um, first, why I hated this movie. Um, I blame this like Batman and Robin. It's only the director, Sam Raimi. Um, here's his faults as far as I see him. Yeah. Um, first of all, he didn't like the Venom character as an old school Spider-Man fan. I appreciate that. You yeah. have likes, you have dislikes. Right. The studio wants to do Venom. So, if you're going to do it. Do it. By making it poorly. Isn't that sort of cutting your off your nose despite your face? I ain't thought about that. It's a good point. I mean, aren't point. you kind of? Well, you want me to do Venom? I'll show you. I'll make a shitty Venom, That's and I'll make sad. a terrible movie yep. that we'll all be ashamed to have our names attached to, and that'll show you. Oh yeah, I see that. So that's my number one. My second point is Kirsten Dunst is by far the main character of this film. It's unfortunate. Which she is the worst part of the movies anyway. I mean, after Spider-Man 2, most fans would say, hell, recast it or kill her off. Please kill her off. Christopher Nolan was smart enough to do both with Katie Holmes' character. He recasted her and then then killed killed her her off. off. No chance of you returning. Oh, shit. I will share. So, those are my two points. I think it killed the franchise. You were on such a high after Spider-Man 2. After Spider-Man 3, you're going, we cannot make another one of these things. That's weird. So um, weird. I have a personal story kay. to go with this movie. Please explain. I went and saw it um, at the Regal Cinema in Eugene, Oregon, okay. where I live. Um, so I went and saw it opening night with, with my girlfriend, Brittany. So we go. First of all, we get in line, which we thought was the line. Turns out the line wrapped around the hallway. We got Oof. in right in the middle and jumped about 100 people. 
Well done. My bad to those hundred people if you're listening that were behind me. Fuck them. <laughs> they didn't want to see this movie anyways. <laughs> right they just in. didn't know it. Hey, I blame the Regal Cinema's ushers. Agreed. So we go in. This movie has a ton of hype. From the previews, you think it's going to be great. Venom, Spider-Man, yeah. Oh, yeah. great. Oh, yeah. Sit down. We watch it. I remember, I don't think we said a word to each other. We walk out of the movie, get in my car, and almost like we're ashamed to say it, kind of whispering, I look at her and go, that movie wasn't very good, was it? <laughs> and she kind of looks at me and goes, no, not really. <laughs> and you're almost ashamed, you're like, I thought this was going to be thought, awesome. Yeah. It wasn't, wait. Did we see Spider-Man 3? If or anyone did we knows see, like, me, some shit. If anyone knows me, I like, hate crowds. The Hulk 2. Exactly. Like Eric, with Eric Bana in it. I hate crowds. I hate dealing with that stuff. I have av- cell phones in the fucking theater. I avoid it like God. none other. I never see a movie on opening day. That's why I still haven't seen Toy Story 3. Okay. I saw Spider-Man 3 on opening night, Friday night. I thought it was going to be that good. And you sit down, and you're almost ashamed that you dragged the person with you <laughs> to go. Oh, yeah. My bad. That oh, yeah. was terrible. Oh yeah, that's that's the uh, it's a penalty you pay. Good pick though. Uh, Spider- first number five, Spider Man three. Here it is. Oh yeah. Woo! Gotham City. Good news, everyone. I just cracked my third beer, but we're not going to the Modern Warfare power up. We're staying with the Gotham City because I can't get enough of it. All right. Weird that your number five is Spider-Man 3 because my number five is Spider-Man 3. Whoa! I cannot... I am blown away. I'm stepping away from the <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I liked the Spider-Man series previous to Spider-Man 3. Um, I cannot tell you how much I hated Spider-Man 3. Um, I own number one and number two. I own them. Um... I'm almost positive I haven't watched a single one of them because of and since that third run has come out. Guarantee you I haven't touched one or two since that third run has come out. And I, I, I really, really like the Spider-Man series. You know what? I, I as a Batman fan, we talk about best superheroes. There's the yeah. Batman, Spider-Man, kind of a rivalry a little bit. As a Batman fan, I admit, love Spider-Man too. Loved it. Love you Spider-Man have too. to. You have to. It was... It was the perfect superhero movie. It did everything right. It did everything based on the first one. It did everything right to make a second one. And then what did they do on the third one? They fucked it up. It's It was a total letdown. A total letdown. And if, if the third was anywhere close to either the second or the first, even close, I guarantee you there would have been a Spider-Man 4 by now. Guaranteed. But there hasn't been because Topher Grace and Kirsten Dunst oh my God. and Emo Spidey ruined it for fucking everyone. Eyeliner Spidey. Eyeliner Spidey ruined it for everyone. So that's my number five and his number five. My number four. The Matrix Reloaded. Ooh. Ooh. The original Matrix to me was so original. And I, I thought it was so... Like, it was actually, it was so thought-provoking of a story, and many fans, including me, thought that there was no, nowhere to go but up from the first Matrix. Because you get this story where the main character realizes that he is the one, and you just, at the end of the movie, you realize that he's got this awesome power, and you, 
you just think about, oh my god, what are this? What's the sequel going to be like? What a mind trip that movie was. What is the Seriously. Matrix, right? Seriously, the whole the whole first movie had everyone just wrapped around its finger, right? Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. but but also it left such a such an opening for a sequel that you were like, what can this sequel be? In the Matrix, you realize what the actual state of the Matrix is, but that leads it to how do you deal with that? Because that leaves it totally open. That's it says true. here the big reveal is here's what world is actually like. Now how do you deal with it? That's true. Opens itself up for a great sequel. In the Matrix Two, squashed it. Terrible. It seemed like every single fan was so excited for this, and then the Wachowskis didn't get the memo. I would almost argue the Wachowskis didn't understand what people liked about the Matrix. Because they maybe if, that too. Yeah. If you look at the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revolutions, yeah. Which I would say the reason why I didn't have that because I kind of there's released so concurrently. Oh yeah. That I can't differentiate between right. them. They it's almost like they thought what people liked about the Matrix was the action, the wire string, right, the stylized right. action. That right. that's what they capitalized on. Really, because that's what they really exploded with on the other two. That's true. Instead of what really people liked was the intriguing uniqueness the mythology of the absolutely like the, the whole story behind it agreed um but it it just seemed like like they were set out to make a movie and then the studios kind of said hey you're making two and three now because this was such a hit and so they kind of mailed in the second and third uh they were poorly written they seemed totally forced like they were you know hey you're going to make this movie whether you like it or not. So uh, write it. And they're kind of like, okay, we'll write it. But it's going to, you know, I still suck. have no idea what Colonel Sanders was talking about in the two. No clue. <laughs> no one does. Abs- I've, I've only seen that movie once. I've seen that scene with Colonel Sanders four different times. Yeah. No clue what he's talking oh, no, about. No, no clue. But, <laughs> but the reason about this movie, why it's a, a franchise killer for me. Is that it really, just like Spider-Man 3, it, like, The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions, Revolutions. it really took it so far down into just cinema shit that it made me not even want to revisit the first one. And so I'm not sure I've seen the first one since then. It definitely deteriorates the... uh, it takes the shine off the first one. Oh, it one. easily does. Because it easily be, does. Because it's the exact same parties yes. involved. Yes. It's the exa- It'd be one thing if, you, if you're if you the Wachowski brothers and Keen Reeves. Right. You make the first one. Someone, someone else makes the other two and they're shit. Yeah. You go make another movie, people are excited about it. V for what, Vendetta. Exactly. What happens, like though, that is that you make the other two, which are shit... That takes the shine off your own star. Yep. That says, well, Agreed. these people made one great movie, but two terrible two ones. Two terrible ones. <laughs> True. All right. That's my number four, The Matrix uh, Reloaded. You're number four. Number four, James Cameron's Titanic. If you do Please not, explain. If you do not believe me, this is a franchise killer, let me tell you one. Explain. Here's what Titanic had. It had a giant mythological boat. True. Great looking. Not mythological. It was, a, it was a real boat. Great looking girl. True. A great hero in Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo was good. Here's the what role. they do. Rocking. They sink the boat. 
They show her boobies and kill her. They do. She's done. They kill off their great hero. And because of that, Titanic 2 has absolutely no credibility. If you do not believe me in Titanic 2, I have a link pulled up right now, which I will post on the Facebook about Titanic 2. Let me read this to you. This is uh, via 411mania.com. The Asylum Production Company is planning to make a direct-to-DVD sequel to Titanic. Brooke Burns, on the par of Coolio, oh, of course. <laughs> is set to star in the film, which will not be set on the original ship, but rather will have the following plot. Quote, On the 100th anniversary of the original voyage, a modern luxury liner christened Titanic 2. Let's think about that. The boat sank, and you renamed the boat after it. <laughs> right. All right. Follows the path of its namesake. The boat sank. The same path. <laughs> Let's do it. But when a tsunami, not an iceberg, a no. tsunami hurls an iceberg, a tsunami hurls an iceberg into the new ship's path, the passengers and crew must fight to avoid a similar fate. Who saw that coming? Grant- Titanic 2 has an iceberg. Granted, no word on James Cameron's reaction or involvement on this project. Because of, of what they did so in Titanic. Because it's so good. It has killed the possibility for a franchise. Devastation on my part. Your number four, please. You know, I'm actually happy they didn't make it Titanic 2. No, we're talking about. They're not... making it. They're making it. It has no credibility because of Titanic 1. That's true. <laughs> um, my number three. Three, excuse me. No, three. wait, you're number three. You're number three. My, no, my number, number three? three? Yeah. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. This was arguably, yeah. Okay, explain. Let me just start off with here's the really bad pickle you find yourself with in this film. All right, everyone knows it's terrible. Jar Jar Binks, Green, which will not be known. He's on the Hall of Shame. Green frogmen who have really bad Chinese accents. Yeah. Uh, robot stormtroopers, basically, who are not threatening in the least. Um, robots are not threatening. Here's the bad clones. part. Clones. They're clones. No, they're robots in Star Wars Episode 1. No clones yet. Oh, you're, you're right. Here's the bad, really bad part with Star Wars Episode 1. It's terrible, right? You make it huge fan backlash. Everyone hates it. All that stuff. You've already announced you're making the prequel trilogy. You are... You have to Obligated. make... <laughs> make the second... Two. Yeah. You have to make them. You are forced, like you shot a dog in the leg. It must limp along. (laughs) That's why. So here's what happens. You have to make the other two Star Wars movies. Yeah. They must be promoted to the moon because it is Star Wars. Yes. It is the biggest franchise of all time. Yes. Too bad everyone knows their crap because of what happened in episode one. It sucks that episode one was episode one. It killed it. It does. Absolutely killed it. You can even get a semi... If you get an episode one on par with episode three, it's a. It's at least it's a wash. decent. Yeah. You're going, okay. It's good. It's done. Episode one killed it because the franchise has to be a franchise. Yeah. But you killed its credibility. What I talked about earlier, killing the credibility of the franchise, that's what happened. That's true. Cartoonishness... Kid friendly. Uh, the only thing that saves this for me from being number one on franchise killers, a couple things. One, Darth Maul. Oh. 
Awesome. Incredible. So good. Number two, uh, greatest lightsaber duel yeah. in the Star Wars it franchise. Was good. It was good. Absolutely incredible lightsaber. I still like uh, Luke and Darth in Return of the Jedi better. Really? That last one. So yeah. for me, best lightsaber duel. Also, during the lightsaber duel, great piece of music by John Williams to go with it. Yeah. If you listen, you get episode one's... Fran- 20 years later. If you get episode one's soundtrack, it's called Duel of Fates. Yeah. Incredible piece yeah, of music. Good. It's very good. Very, very it's good. Very, very good. Um, and in the franchise, obviously not my number one franchise killer because the franchise went on. Yeah. Two more movies, which subsequently were like the biggest openings of all time each weekend, even though people knew they were terrible. So that says something. Um, but I think just the fact... That it was so bad, but you had to make two more. Yeah. Awful. And the thing is, it already had the deck stacked against us. Think about this. Star Wars fans. Yeah. You could make a movie exactly, I argue, exactly like A New Hope for episode one. They will still find a way to crap on it. Oh, yeah. Because it's not the original. Of course. They will find it. No, of course. It's too CG heavy. So they say, yeah. listen, of George Lucas was using CG when it was barely viable. Yeah. As oh, soon as course. he could use CG, he did use CG in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So it's only logical to assume with the full fledged CG that he could use, he would use it for episode one. But still, fans said, oh, he went against it. He went against his principles. He used CG. Listen, he always wanted to use CG. Mm-hmm. He always wanted to use it. The only reason the Qui-Gon Jinn character existed was because they couldn't do a CG Yoda to go along with Obi-Wan right. Kenobi. Another problem I have with it is uh, is that, I will bring this up again, you are working, the whole trilogy is based on a plot, on a mystery that you knew the answer to 30 years ago. And I don't care how yeah. great of a backstory yeah. you make, it sort of kills it. Yeah. When you see Darth Sidious the first time talking to Garth Maul and it's obviously Senator Palpatine who was obviously Emperor Palpatine right kills it for me yeah because I go well I know what's happening here yeah. I mean I mean I know how it happens a little bit I got a general idea yeah yeah I know how it's gonna go down right and you know who dies and who doesn't die oh yeah yeah that's true um I think that in my opinion on that because that is not on my list um I think that the second one and third one are actually not given enough credit because of the first. And Absolutely. that's that's totally backing up your point of franchise killer. Um, I think episode three... But I think that episode two is actually not terrible. And I think episode three is actually really good. I would put episode three... I will not... This will be like me another podcast. I would put episode three in my top three of the six Star Wars films. Oh yeah, me too. I would put them in top three. Yep. But you know what? It was killed in episode one. The franchise, from there on, just existed to exist. It was there because you had to do it, in my opinion. But they were they were going to do it. It's not that they... You had to do it. It's not that they had to do it. It's that they were going to do it. Well, once you announced that you were going to do it, you announced the trilogy. What sure. do people talk about now? They don't say they're going to make a new Star Wars movie or hope they're gonna, they hope they make a new Star Wars trilogy. So if you don't get it right in the first one, you're dead for the other two because you have to make them. True. Okay. Uh, My number three is The Village. M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Um, I consider, for whatever reason, M. Night Shyamalan 
Uh, all his movies, I consider them a franchise. I can see it. Um, I still do for whatever reason. You know what I think it is? What? His name is so heavily promoted. It is. Every oh, no, movie it is. he makes. It is totally. It's almost like I would akin it to the Goosebumps series of books. It was Goosebumps whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. Totally. Whatever. And he's, I mean, he is. There are better examples than that, but that Goosebumps will <laughs> come up he, with He right is now. the type of writer and director, though, and the, I think the reason why he gets his cred is because he is a writer and director. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is tough. I, I think, I think it's it's still for whatever reason carries weight, and it's for some reason still viable that mm. you can you can market a film on M Night Shyamalan hey, being being the. You're talking to a guy director. who saw The Village in theaters. Yeah. Oh yeah. I paid ten bucks a pop for <laughs> a few of us to go see The Village. Um, I thought, oh, excuse me, uh, The Village and. What was that one where everyone kills each other? The Happening. The Happening. Yeah. The happening. happening. I paid several dollars. Several. <laughs> which is go. more than it deserved. Yeah. For oh, a, yeah. Few, oh, yeah. a group of us to see The Happening. The happening. <laughs> um, I think M. Night Shyamalan is the best example of diminishing returns in Hollywood. He 100%. is even worse than Brian De Palma, who, or shall we say, Joel... Uh, Joel Schumacher, Joel Schumacher, who we spoke about this. Hey, yes. guys, go IMDb yeah. Joel IMDb Schumacher. IMDb him and IMDb Brian De Palma. Joel, Joel Schumacher Because you'll see diminishing returns the entire great time. Great movies. Oh, yeah. Even after Batman Returns. Because he made a time to kill between right. Batman Returns and Batman and Robin. A time to kill St. Elmo's Fire, The Lost Boys. These are pretty good. These are oh, good he did. movies. He did. And my on very much the same. Um, M. Night started off with The Sixth Sense, which is just classic. Um, then he made Unbreakable, which I personally love. I agree. Underrated. 100% yep, underrated. underrated. Um, then he made Signs, which was still pretty good. I, lo- I personally, I love Signs. One yeah. of my favorite sci-fi movies. Signs is still good. Um, I really like And Signs. then came the snowball of shit. Just complete shit. Um... First of all, the whole premise of the village was bad. Uh, he had this. He, he. I mean, he did a good job developing the suspense, but then when the suspense was gone uh, via the monsters that you saw, it was just totally shot. And I would argue the premise was stolen. I swear to you, if anyone could find this, yeah, I read a book. You know, you're forced to read books in elementary school. Yeah. We read a book with the exact same premise of people thinking they were living in pioneer-type times. Really? Actually living in modern times. And I think if you Google The Village, it's one of the controversies that comes up. There you go. If you Wikipedia, uh, look it, it up. If I can find it, I will post on the, on the Facebook. I swear to you, when I saw that, I was like, holy crap, I've seen this before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the twist, regardless of if it's stolen or not, is retarded. Uh, M. Night does nothing with it and he's gotten worse and worse consistently like every single thing is worse and worse ebert even says that his next movie is basically uh the worst thing he's ever seen oh you know what i think the last airbender may be the nail in the coffin for him hopefully just because he is now not even doing his genre of film He's not doing anything. It's just a f- they it's, need a director shit. and they like M Night Shyamalan you available? Okay, yeah, make this yeah, film. Done. 
Um, Agreed. My number two is Scary Movie 2. Wow. Here's my reasoning. Wow. Scary Movie 1 was pretty funny and pretty original. Uh, I think it was one of the first movies that actually blatantly mocked a genre, specifically. Like, it was the first movie to go, hey, horror movies, we're just going to make fun of you in an entire movie, and that's... Because you're so formulaic. Right. We can tell. And that's going to be funny. So, naturally, uh, that was so successful that they made a second movie, which is Scary Movie 2. And then I think it turned ugly at that point. Mm. Uh, not because Scary Movie 2 is necessarily bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. Um, but the reason why I named Scary Movie 2 as my second biggest franchise killer is because it spawned so many shitty, shitty, Epic movie? shitty, shitty, shitty movies. This is... There is not even a word to explain how much I hate movies like Epic Movie. Like, all this entire trend of making fun of genre movies at the expense of nothing and making them for, like, $2,000 and thinking that they're really funny and then making those. I am so fundamentally opposed to the idea of appealing to the lowest common denominator in films. So fundamentally opposed to that. That I think the movie industry, half of the movie industry, seriously needs to get their throats slit. <laughs> wishing death. I'm serious. Is this a, is this a critical jinking this, first? This wishing, is wishing death? I am wishing death. Because honestly, there is no worse crime than, in movies, in my opinion, than appealing to the lowest common denominator. And Scary Movie 2 set the bar so low that it spawned so many shit you shit 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 movies you thought it is unbearable how bad these movies are and how low the bar apparently is you thought shit like this. there was the total low, garbage you thought the lowest common denominator was appealed to in scary movie but let alone epic movie and such found a lower common denominator to appeal to am i right yeah you are definitely right i hate this shit this this is the shit that I said I'm not going to get into because this is what I hate most in movies hold on let me give you behind the scenes Kevin and I discussed the premise of this podcast on the phone earlier this week I jokingly referred to this uh, in a shout out to Jake as the hate podcast the hate the hate podcast That's referring right. referring to the to the commentator of the University of Oregon. That's so right. Kevin, my friend, with that said, if you got a hate, let the hate spew. I will let the hate spew. We can't be mad after Hard that. to hate after we the can't hearing be that. Mad after Hard that. to hate. But I just kinda lost the hate right my, now. My my biggest pet peeve in movies is that. Franklin? Your number two. Ooh. Ooh. My number two, a film we've discussed at length tonight. Yes. Batman and Robin. Wow, number two. I will agree, biased. I am yeah. a huge Batman fan. Yeah. Uh, backstory, are. Batman 1989, which was long thought to be maybe the movie we'd review in this in a podcast I did. Right. Uh, was the very first movie I saw in theaters. Batman is by far my favorite char- fictional character. I think it's... Gr- I mean... The whole premise of a guy who's literally, he's out there, it's, it's a it's a real guy doing great things. 
for whatever reason. Yep. I love. I absolutely love. Agreed. Uh, while watching Batman and Robin tonight, I said to Kevin, I said, you watch Batman 1989 by Tim Burton. One of Tim Burton's best. Compared to Batman and Robin, think this is... Batman and Robin is more or less a direct sequel in the line of films, excuse me, yeah. to Batman 89. Yeah. How bad was this bastardized? I will say this. Um, I remember very fondly hearing about Batman and Robin as a little kid. Like I said, I was 10 years old. Yeah. Hard not to get caught up in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember hearing nothing about it. It came up so quick. Um, walking, in, walking down Washington Square Mall in Taggart, Oregon. Yep. In the Warner Brothers store, all of a sudden everything was red with that Batman Robin symbol. Excited! I will not. This movie's not number one. I will not hate on it so much because the viewing of it with my dad is one of my favorite memories as a kid. There you go. Uh, but my goodness, my goodness, did they fuck this up? We've discussed this earlier. My main problem with it is that uh, is that admittedly, the makers of this film, George Clooney, uh, Joel Schumacher, the actors, directors, screenwriters. Did not take the source material seriously. And I have said this earlier in this podcast. At the very least, if you're going to make a movie, you should be able to take your material seriously. If you don't, then don't make the movie. Exactly. This was a movie built on excuses. This was a movie made to make money. And because of that, we had to wait eight years to get a good Batman movie. Which is why I this is not number one for me. Because if not for this film... You do not get Batman Begins. It's true. You do not get The Dark Knight. You do not get a visionary director doing it right. A studio that said, you know what? We did the whole sellout thing with Batman and Robin. It didn't work with the Spider-Man franchise. One and two up until that point. Uh, Was it Universal 20th Century Fox ever made them? Yeah. Stuck to the source material. Had great commercial and critical success. That's how we got to do it. Um, which that a little bit you should be grateful to this film because without that you do without Batman and Robin you don't get Batman Begins right but this movie for a kid of 10 years old who loved Batman who loved Batman movies for them after making this movie say that there may never be a Batman movie again that was devastating absolutely killed it oh yeah it insulted the source material it in it in, in turn insults the fans of the source material for liking it yep absolutely uh you know hate what that did um i i like to believe that joel schumacher is a great guy who takes <laughs> his craft seriously as a director he doesn't but clearly after seeing no. this after listening to the commentary with kevin absolutely did not no killed didn't. this franchise really did he did because the reboot involves no one of the same franchise except for save warner brothers studios yep and michael uslin who who uh, is the basically the creative consultant on Batman films? The guy who is basically you have involved saying he fights for Batman movies. This is how Batman is reflected in these films. Nice, but he's very conceptual. He's not directly involved with the filmmaking. So really, it basically killed it. If you yeah. have to, this is what kind of start our talk about franchise killers. If you have to restart a franchise with everyone different than what had previously been done. That franchise is dead. They're a Agreed. different set of movies. And that movie hurt Batman Begins. Oh, yeah. Even oh, yeah. though they were eight years apart, 1997-2005, people were still confused. Is this a prequel? Right. Batman Robin was terrible. What does Batman mean? You know, the right. funny thing, uh, Tim Burton says when we talk about making Batman in 89, that movie, 
Pattinson. Ever watched the uh, on the Batman anthology V set? They do a whole behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. That movie effectively took ten years to make. The first pitch for Batman eighty nine for Batman nineteen eighty nine yeah. was done in nineteen seventy nine. Wow. Biggest thing they had to do was convince the studio and the general movie audience that Batman was not pow, bap, and wham of 1960s. Right. So all the progress they made making a dark movie where Tim Burton in front of in front of Warner Brothers executives as like a 20-something-year-old kid, first real huge movie directing, yeah. with the killing joke graphic novel saying, this is Batman. Literally right. pounding on the table in front of execs. I mean, imagine doing that as our age, yeah. in front of huge billionaires, right. saying, this is Batman. This is what you make. Yeah. All the progress he made. Batman 1989, the first serious superhero movie, yep. said this is, this is dark, this is gritty. If the character is dark and gritty, damn it, the movie should be dark and gritty. Right. All the progress that was made was chipped away a little bit in Batman Forever by Joel Schumacher. Oh, 100%. Flushed down the toilet in Batman and Robin to the point where to sell Batman Begins, Christopher Nolan had to do the exact same thing. Batman needs, cannot be Arnold Schwarzenegger's bad puns in the movie theater. It has to be, go back to the source. No one's ever seen what makes Batman Batman. Right. I mean, I won't go into the whole thing about Batman Begins, but... God, as a Batman fan, that movie is so incredible. Oh, yeah. The way it taps into it shows the Batman that no one's ever seen. But Batman and Robin killed it. Absolutely killed the franchise in almost every way you can conceptually think of killing a franchise. It did. And the franchise is near and dear to my heart. Oh, yeah. So it's biased. You made it uh, You made it really hard to disagree with uh, your pick. It, it, uh, so, Batman and Robin is why, my number two. Why don't you go to your number one? Because you made it really hard to uh, say anything about your number one. Number one, one is. I can't imagine anything is ruined more than Batman after that. Batman, and my number What's one. What's your number one? Terminator Salvation. Colin. <laughs> no, the it is. Terminator? You give Terminator. Listen to this. Okay. How can you kill a. Fr- at least after Batman and Robin. There are more Batman films. Terminator <laughs> Salvation kills the franchise, the new franchise. Yeah. The new post-Arnold franchise right. before it became a franchise. Let me let me list off some things that okay. happened after Terminator it. Salvation. Go for it. One, movie is critically and commercially a failure. Okay. Absolute failure. Panned, money-wise, critic-wise, bad. Very bad. Right. Number two. You kill, so far, the reputation of your franchise actor, Christian Bale. Yeah. One, everyone sees him as doing a very bad job in this movie. Yeah. Not good. Everyone, Everything Christian Bale has done up until this point had been very good. Yeah. This movie, very bad. Mm-hmm. And he is bad in this movie. I even thought, I even, like, look, American Psycho, everything. Oh, Christian Bale does it's great good. films. Right. Badness. And then you kill him personally with the tape of him going off on the right. stage hand in this film, yeah. telling what a bloody effing unprofessional he is, and making him look like the biggest jerk in Hollywood next to Russell Crowe and Mel Gibson. So you kill oh, your franchise star. Don't even touch Mel Gibson. You kill your Mel. franchise star, professionally and personally. Yeah. The guy who is literally, your whole franchise is based on. Right. If, if, you're, if this franchise is the Nuggets... Christian Bale is Carmelo Anthony. This is your franchise That's true. right here. No, that's true. You killed him with this movie. Second of all, or, or third of all, excuse me, this 
you kill the possibilities for two sequels that were planned, possibly even already written. McG, again, you. this is your own fault if you're the studio handing your franchise off to a guy named McG. Yeah, that's true. Um, had already planned to do Terminators uh, what been, uh, 4, 5, and 6. No way. It was a new trilogy. Wow. Killed. Done. Good. Right. Doesn't deserve After it. this, next, my final point. The company that owns the creative property, it's called Hallison, Halican, whatever. Yeah. Goes broke and is forced to sell the creative property rights that are the Terminator. Well done. Can you well done. do more? Can you do more? You really can't. They, I mean, you are literally, you burn it to the ground and you piss on the ashes. <laughs> That's pretty much as bad as you can get. I mean, emotionally, Batman Robin to me is number one. Yeah. But if I'm dissecting what you can do to a franchise, Terminator Salvation, colon, the future begins. Colon, the future begins. Uh, absolutely destroys. Okay. Can I tell you a little personal? Uh, I was actually looking forward to this movie on my old blog, franklinagreed.blogspot.com. Yep. Right. Uh, allow me to be Franklin. Yes. Uh, yes I was. Yes. I, I featured the previews. I posted them. I said, this movie looks really good. I said, this looks like you finally get to see the Terminator versus... You know, human being, war, all this stuff looks great. Killed it. Absolutely killed it. It killed it on a conceptual level. I mean, it, and I referenced this earlier, like episode one of Star Wars. Your fundamental flaw is that the mystery of the film has been solved 20 years prior. Yeah. The mystery of Terminator Salvation is... What is this guy who looks like a human but is a Terminator? Oh, wait. He's a T-whatever that Arnold Schwarzenegger was back in 1982. That's true. We knew this. So why would you ever want to see a sequel? Why would you ever want to see it? Money. Terrible. Anyway, if you're talking about how to kill a franchise, please post it on on the comment section of the blog. Please post on the Facebook. If you can think of another way you can kill a franchise other than Terminator the Salvation. Or what? Franklin, no. Let me know how else you can piss on the ashes of a franchise. Hold up. R. Kelly may be able to revive this franchise. That was, uh, that was sort of my way of saying, hey, done. Done. Anyway, that's right. it. My number one. So, before we, before, we, before we go into my number one, Ryan has his number one. Ryan actually hear. emailed in his number one from... Uh, I don't know if he's somewhere from the East Coast, uh, but he says basically that the biggest franchise killer to him is Alien 3. Ooh. Any movie that kills two main characters who are also two awesome characters <laughs> in the first five minutes of a film with almost no explanation is stupid. Even though David Fincher directed it, Ooh. which... You know, we have to say maybe studio-driven. It was controlled. Other work is very good. So right, even though David Fincher directed it, it was controlled by the execs, and not even Pete Pothelswaite could save it. Wow, that was Ryan's feedback. If I could say my commentary, the only reason I may not consider that is that I didn't see the need for Alien Three. So the thought that there could be a franchise after that, yeah. Maybe stretching it to begin with. That might be true. That might be true. But nevertheless, terrible movie. Absolutely did kill any possibility for, for sequels. It did. Absolutely. 
I can see it. All right. My number one. Quick and painless. Uh, not quick, not painless. Disney. Disney? <laughs> Disney is my number one. Um, they have killed every single movie they have made, especially the animated classics. Um, they have killed them all with very, very, very shitty, shitty, shitty sequels. Um, the Lion King, Aladdin, The Little Mermaid, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Ooh. all exploited with shitty straight-to-DVD sequels. Now, granted, I haven't seen the shitty straight-to-DVD sequels. You never saw Aladdin 4? Are you no, kidding me? No, I'm sorry. But I'm pretty sure that no one over the age of 8 has, <laughs> actually. Um, and so, still, it's the principle of the thing. It, it, it's got to make them money. The only reason why they have it is because it's got to make them money. Or else, why in the hell would they do it? But in my opinion, it's an awful idea to make shitty movies straight to DVD that will make you money, which almost intentionally, like, seriously, intentionally kill the classic movies. It diminishes your brand name as Disney. It really does. It, Absolutely. Because it, 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 all of those movies I mentioned before, The Lion King, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, they all have sequels that are straight to DVD sequels. That are terrible. It's, it's all... It's all to diminish the name of Disney, it seems like. Absolutely. And they shouldn't have to do that. Um, whoever decided that it was the smart idea to release, you know, a thousand straight-to-DVD sequels, instead of focusing on making actually good movies, which, you know, what is, is the way Pixar is actually, you know, run... Which I think Pixar, like I've said, is the greatest movie studio. They don't make sequels. When, when has Pixar made a sequel? Other than Toy Story? Well, other than Toy Story. But Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3 have both been very good. Very good, so you almost say... The sequels have not been straight to DVD. That is true. If you're talking sequels in the exploitative uh, term that oh, yeah. Disney well, does... Well, ex- Disney, Disney exploits their sequels to make a short-term... You know, to, to short to, to short for short term monetary gains. Uh, it really makes me lose respect for all that is Disney. Um, it's not only those animated movies I've I've mentioned, but like Pirates of the Caribbean and the rest of the Pirates of the Caribbean were just shit. And it's like Disney just seems to think that instead of coming up with original content, instead of coming up with original ideas, they just milk the shit that they've you know, made a hundred thousand dollars on, they milk or a hundred million dollars on, they milk that shit for whatever it's worth. Why can't Disney just be more like Pixar? Why can't every fucking movie studio be more like Pixar? Because Pixar understands it's not about the fucking sequels. They they were reluctant to make Toy Story Three as it is. Toy Story Three came what? Eight? Years? A long time after Toy Long time after Toy Story. Toy Story Two, if I remember, was fairly not that long after Toy Story 1. Seriously. But Toy so Story why, 2 was a long time why ago. Why can't they be like Pixar? So yeah. Disney is my number one, hands down. They fuck everything that they've got for short-term gains. They are the most greedy, fucking seeming movie studio in the entire biz. If I can, I akin that to M. Night Shyamalan. In yeah. that, while it's not the same scene. I wouldn't recommend it. While it's not the same line of films. The brand name is attached to it, and you did. T- it's true. When you make a it's Disney true. film, is so Princess and the Frog. 
Yeah. It was so promoted heavily as the next Disney classic. True. Disney is promoted as much as the title and concept of the film. True. So when you deter, when you diminish the M. Night Shyamalan name, when you diminish the Disney Which name... happened a long time ago for both. Absolutely. Yeah. You diminish the name of the next film. You're, Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. All right. Uh, honorable mentions. Do you have honorable mentions? I've got one. I think would be fairly interesting for you. Okay. Uh, Superman Returns. Ooh. Superman Returns. I'm close to mine. I think Su- Superman Returns revived. Superman Returns would have revived if the, if Warner Brothers had th- had thought that after Make Superman Returns they could make more movies with that line of creative direction. If Brian Singer would have uh, gotten the, wrapped into a contract. But the fact that they have dismissed the entire thought to me. Superman Returns to, was supposed to be a direct sequel to Superman 2. Right. So Superman 3 and 4 fucking suck. Absolutely. And I don't fault them for that at all. But what Superman Returns did, you had, instead of Kevin Spacey playing Lex Luthor, yeah. Lex Luthor, you had Kevin Spacey playing Gene Hackman playing Lex Luthor. Right. Instead of Brandon Routh, Brandon Ruth, 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 Ruth. playing Superman Clark Kent, yep. you had Brandon Ruth playing Christopher Reeve right. playing Clark Kent. So what that did to me, it showed that the studio came in to the Batman Begins slash Superman Returns, which was released a year apart. Oh, yeah. Right. Saying that Batman had to be rebooted. Superman was based on a good thing that could be continued. Right. Superman Returns showed to the studio and to the audiences that the style and the manner and the characters in which the original two Superman films were made right. cannot work in the modern century. And that is why they have shut it down. They have put Christopher Nolan in charge of the next Superman films. Nice. They are recasting. They are finding a new director, new script, new Superman, new Lois Lane. Shut nice. it down and rebooting. That Superman Returns said, this is the most true way. Oh, Superman Returns. Uh, absolutely. It showed this is the most true way you could continue. And that's what they tried to do. Yeah. Let's continue the Christopher Reeves franchise into the new millennium. Right. It did not do well. And it said, you cannot do this anymore. <coughs> they had thought, bless you. They had come up with the idea of doing more movies in this vein, in this creative direction. And it killed it. Superman Returns killed it. I agree. My second, less Hard points nice. to it. Yep. Mask of Zorro. Ooh, Really? Because that first Zorro movie with Tony Banderas yeah. took a very antiquated character, very old school, very old type character, yeah. made it relevant or uh, and exciting, relevant, relevant and exciting. <coughs> bless you, sir. To yes. a modern audience, Good. they were very excited by it. Yeah. You had it was a blockbuster. It had relevant movie stars at the time. Yeah. Mask of Zorro came in with not nearly as much fanfare. True. Killed the franchise. True. You, I, if you made movies as good as that first Mark of Zorro, was it? Yeah. Movie uh, with Mask an, of Zorro? With Antonio Banderas. Yeah. You could have made a bunch of movies like that. Those yeah. were very popular, made a lot of money. Very. Very commercially successful, very critically successful. Instead, Mask of Zorro was much more family friendly. Very less fanfare. Killed the franchise. Killed it. In my Agreed. Opinion. So those All are right. my two. Ba- my- Superman Returns and... The Mask of Zorro. My honorable mentions are Batman and Robin. We have already spoken about this. Yes. Um, one of the most hated and unnecessary sequels ever. It's just, it is. Um, 
My second is Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. I really actually liked the first one, and then you just fucked it up, Disney. Again, my number one. Disney fucked up the sequels just to make money. Uh, the third is Rocky Five. Because I think Rocky Balboa... I thought that was a great movie. Rocky Balboa was good. Rocky Balboa should have been Rocky Five. Absolutely. Rocky Five should have not been made, and Rocky Balboa should have been Rocky Five. If you saw Rocky Balboa without the stink of the last two Rocky movies on it... Hey, I liked Rocky Four. I loved Rocky Four. Ivan Drago, are you kidding me? If you saw that as his own dramatic film... Maybe even without even the... Maybe not. Maybe I wouldn't have liked it, but I loved Rocky IV. I think it told a great story. I thought Rocky Balboa told the story of how an aging generation finds relevancy. And fucking knocks the Russians the fuck out. No, I'm talking about Rocky Balboa. Oh, sorry. How an aging generation shows relevancy. How how when you're, quote-unquote, past your prime in something you do. Yeah. How you can show that you have something to... To, sh- to teach the future generations what he proved to himself, to his kids, I thought was very well done. Yeah, I agree. I really like it. All right. So, we are at that point where we're at uh, Breathalyzer and shout out. You're Breathalyzer first, so you blow when it beeps and you blow until it beeps. My shout out for this episode, actually, I don't know what my shout out is. I forgot my shout out. That's bad. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm a rookie, and I know my shout-out. I know my shout-out was Foursquare uh, last episode. I swear to God, I had a fucking shout-out this time. Um, you know, I'll think about it right as Franklin tries to take his his little blow. Um, there it is. Keep blowing! There it is. What'd you get? 0. 0.16. 0. 0.16. That's going to be fucking hard to... Right, I'm going to try and think of my shout-out as uh, you're doing yours. I've got two shout-outs, just in case you don't have one. My number one shout-out to my gracious host, Kevin Regan. You're more than welcome. You're Any- welcome anytime. As I said before, and as Ryan Maley said, Franklin is going to have to come back when Ryan is here so he can guest host. Absolutely. I have thoroughly enjoyed being a part of this, being part of this discussion, uh, being a guest in your home. Oh, being part of, of this podcast. Of course. Absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely. My second shout out is to Mr. Ryan Mailing. That good. I am here in his stead, although there's no way I can fill his shoes. Absolutely none. And I want to say nobody misses you more right now than the listeners of this podcast. Because <laughs> goddamn, they're sick of Franklin. They're sick of me, no questions. So, Ryan Mailing, my second shout out. Kevin is glowing right now. Oh, I lost. 0.15. 0.15 to Ooh. Franklin's 0.16. I, I teeth, fucking I lost. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Maley, you are, you are my shout out. You are forever my shout out. Um, all right. So, Ryan, I hope you're having a good time driving across the country. Um, in the meantime, Franklin was here with us. And no one better... To have on a Batman podcast in Franklin. I appreciate that. Um, it was a lot of fun. I'm sorry it was an hour and 53 Ooh, minutes. This is a marathon. Uh, almost as yeah. long as Batman and Robin itself. That's right. We're sorry about that, but uh, I hope it was a good, you know, good time for you guys. And uh, 
I guess we gotta sign off. At the very least, after you listen to this hour and fifty three minutes, I hope you're so pissed that you can you can rebuttal all of my commentary and tell me what a fool I am for wasting your time. There you go. Uh, for Ryan Maley, for Franklin Alegria, I am Kevin Regan. We will see you next week. And my heart could be crying dead in the middle of a smile. But then I climbed the hills and saw the mountains. I hollered help because I was lost. Then I felt the strong wind. Heard a small voice. Saying the storm is over Storm is over now and I can see the sunshine Somewhere beyond the clouds I feel heaven, yeah Heaven is over me Come on and set me free Now in the midst of my battle All hope was gone.